All good. I need permission. Oh shit! Yeah, I think I have to. So the mic's good. I don't know if my. Um... I, you sound good as well. Yeah, I've got me me snowball. I think I can make you host. Oh no! Hang on. Wait. Can you record? Yeah, yeah, I can record. Hang on, I'm trying to get your... Wait. Hmm. This has been... I think I accidentally made you host. If you click on my video, can you go to make host? I think it is. Is that better? There we go. Oh, there we go. Okay, and I'll pin myself. And I'll pin you. There we go. All right. Uh, it's recording. I'll just do the intro, then I'll we'll go. Um, so you have an hour, hey? Yeah, roughly now. I've got like two hours, like hour and a half yeah, typically yeah. now. Uh, we'll, st we'll try to wrap it up about an hour in. But um, Yeah, yeah. Right. I still can't record either. <laughs> Fuck, it's all good. I I'm recording. Um, I, I, I figured out in the first episode. But... Oh, there we go. Try now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Roll. All right, Roland? Yep. All right, hey guys, uh, welcome to episode four of Next on the Platform. Today we're on with our first Australian lifter, uh, Toby Barnett. Uh, I'll let him introduce himself. Hey guys, I'm Toby Barnett. I'm um, WRPF uh, Federation lifter. Uh, my best squats, 325, 165 bench, 300 deadlift, 790 kilo total at 98 kilo body weight, which is the current all-time Oz team total under 100 kilos in Australia. That's got to be pushing pretty close to the world record too, surely. I'm pretty sure the world record is like 840, which is quite a step above. And that would be the untested, hey? Yeah, that's un that's just like regardless. Mm. So Far out, man. All right. Well, you've obviously come a long way, but where did you where did you start training and how did you get into it? And just tell us a little bit. I kind of just started going to the gym because my dad was going. Um, so he technically got me to the gym, didn't really know what I was doing, but right from the start, I enjoyed squat, bench, deadlift. So I was just like smashing them way too much, coming in like six or seven days a week, just trying to max out pretty much every day. Um, and then kind of started following some programs um, that I found on the internet, you know, YouTube and stuff, and ended up trying to figure out my own stuff. But um, found out I was kind of strong to begin with, so I was pretty lucky because um, where I'm training now, uh, the my coach and stuff was at Zap at that point. So I approached them, uh, they sorted me out. So I was pretty much on a program and getting coached within six months to eight months after joining the gym. So pretty lucky there to get a good head start. So how old were you? Uh, 16 or 15 I was when I started um, training. And you're 19 turning 20 this year, hey? Uh, yep, turned 20 in August. So powerlifting since you were 15, 16, or was it just general yeah, training? Yeah, so general training for about a year, roughly. And then, um, so my first competition was February 2018. Mm. So a good couple of years now. I think I've been with Competitive Edge for three years or however long it's been since then. So Far out, man. So you're going from, you sort of just jump straight into it and then you've been powerlifting for, that is what, three or four years now. Yeah, uh, yeah. And now, and now you'd be the so you you're the strongest teenager in Australia in the uh, under hundreds. Yeah, in the non IPF. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. De deadlift bar and squat bar. Yeah, yeah. And you squat in wraps too, hey? 
yeah squatting wraps so was it because i know i've seen your gym and i'll try to put a clip up on the screen um your gym they sort of all in the same area of like in wraps and deadlift bar yeah like, yeah so pretty much all our um like competitions locally in tassie are um are wrpf which is um like untested but there's pretty much no other federations unless it's uh i'm not too sure what the other um federations are called here it's like powerlifting australia or something which is like the only raw fed in tassie mm. um but yeah we pretty much just all compete in wraps that's what i was introduced to um so that's just what i've been training since mm. so you sort of you started off in wraps and you've never really experimented with sleeves no we do sleeve work in the off season but we never push it too hard mm. so it's usually just um you know just to get a base right after a meet so we're not really pushing the intensity very hard mm. have you um ever considered swapping back to sleeves and that or you want to stay in the, the the fed you're in and sort of just stay with wraps i don't really mind i enjoy squatting with wraps and i think i'm um i've gotten pretty good at the skill of wraps because um like obviously there's a skill component it changes the setup somewhat i feel like i have to have my feet a little bit wider um and like just stuff like that but i'm really uh like excited to test the the sleeves max because i'm not too sure how much it actually adds mm. and it's obviously technique based so stance in a bit narrow will change a bit of um like the leverages and stuff so but yeah i've never really pushed it past 220 and i've squatted 325 in wraps so well australian um what's his face sebastian orb he reckons it doesn't add anything he just said it just changes your form a little bit really well that's just what he said i don't know there's yeah he says that but then all the guys that i see squatting in wraps they don't squat as much in sleeves, so I yeah. Say that there's I, no way. Yeah. Oh, that's there's no just way I'd be said. able to squat. Yeah. Yeah. I can see, like, I feel like it's a big skill component, and people probably wouldn't take that into account. So, like, obviously, you practice with wraps, you'd be better at wraps. If, uh, but if you practice in sleeves, you could be better in sleeves. You know. Mm. But there's no doubt that it adds adds spring for sure. So. Yeah. And what about you on the stiff bar? I don't, you probably haven't used one in a while. No, I literally only was using the stiff bar at Zap. And at that point, I didn't even know there was a deadlift bar, so. Yeah. what Zap, is that your old gym? Yeah, yeah. So that's just um just a commercial gym. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's really nothing. There's, like, one squat rack, which you had to bench in, and there was, like, two barbells. It was disgusting. <laughs> yeah, that's the, like, the the commercial gyms that are close to me. Like, it's, when, when you go to a powerlifting gym, you sort of, you would never go back, like. No, no, there's no way. Like, even for, like, an accessory day, I still wouldn't. I still wouldn't. I'd drive like an extra 30 minutes just for the yeah. the atmosphere of a powerlifting kind of gym. Yeah. See, I just train in the garage, so I only have like the... the I got the combo and the deadlift platform and, and I sort of do any accessories with um, minimal like 10 kilo dumbbell, like lateral raises and shit. But, yeah. Uh, how, how do you find um, training at home as a pair? Like, when I first started, so I came from... Because our gym closed down with uh, the lockdown, our powerlifting gym. So when I first got into the home gym, the weights just feel heavier. Like, yeah, I got that as well. You sort of roll out of bed, walk like 20 meters to the gym. It's not the same environment and like, I don't know. And then I got the calibrated plates as opposed to just the normal KG plates. Uh, and they obviously make a huge difference. Um, yeah, for sure. Which, is, which doesn't come in any surprise to me when people fail at a meet because they've um, trained on commercial equipment the whole prep it, it certainly makes a huge difference i mean it, it is good like you can sort of play with it you know now i have like surround sound speakers and i have my neon lights and i sort of like it's fun it's it's like a hobby now as well as a sport it's like a hobby 
make yeah, it. Yeah, your setup looks pretty good in your um, garage, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, I've, I've spent too much money on accessories to make it look cool. Like um, yeah. the lights and I use like my tripod and camera and stuff. I don't know. It's just extra fun like that comes with it. Yeah. It certainly yeah makes it's got to look good for Instagram as well. That's exactly <laughs> right. It certainly makes my sessions a lot longer when I have to play around with like my camera in between sets and whatever. Yeah. It's all part of the game when you pay everything for the green though. That's exactly right. But one thing I noticed about your gym is the atmosphere seems crazy. Yeah. It's very like, it's like a separate component to, um, to the main gym area mm. so there's like a little room uh and it's just got you know our two monoliths two squat racks our bench presses uh and a combo rack and just a big area for our warm-ups so it's all closed in blast our music it's just like such an exclusive little area so mm. all the sound just kind of like channels straight where everybody's shouting and it's just it's, it's so good like i don't i'm not too sure i've seen an atmosphere that matches it mm. and everybody who comes here and trains with this agrees so mm. it seems crazy man and like one of the crazy things to me is that you're not the strongest there. There's some yeah. strong do it to a, a quite a bit stronger. Yeah, there's um so like one of our coaches is um Mitch Lee, which is uh like one of the best one ten lifters in Australia and let alone the world as well. So like he's um he's like pretty much on par with Australian strength coach numbers wise. So his next um competition, you know, he's planning on totaling a thousand. So it's um it's just crazy to think that I kind of train with somebody like that. Mm. Mm. Um, because what is that pro raw or is it big dogs? I never remember. Pro raw, yeah, pro, pro raw. Yeah. And is that yeah. your that your end goal? Yeah. So, um, in twenty twenty, I got invited to compete at pro raw, but obviously it shut down. Uh, and look, with all the lockdowns, happened like a week before we we're about to fly out, or a couple of days before we we're about to fly out. So, and to be honest, that wouldn't have been an amazing comp for me because, um, like two weeks before that, I competed, got a late invite, mm. so my body was pretty ruined and um like the training after that was pretty much non-existent so it was it was going to be a rough one um but you know i wasn't going to pass the opportunity up so you got invited two weeks out yeah two weeks out what did they expect you to do just turn around i don't know they just hyped up the fact that i squatted like 300 kilos at 90 kilo the year before so that was pretty much the entry lift so that was pretty much all i was hoping to do i just matched that effort um but yeah i don't know it was just kind of a late invite because a couple people pulled out and stuff so That'd be that like, I, uh, I'm not sure what my end goals are, but I imagine, yeah, getting closer to the nine, 10 times body weight total and like probably trying to get an invite to one of those comps. But, um, yeah, it's a, certainly a different environment. They have it on a stage, don't they? Yeah. It's, a, um, pro rule is usually at the Arnold where it has been in the past. So all the people walking past during the Arnold festival kind of just stop and watch. So like the atmosphere is crazy and there's like heaps and heaps of people watching the live streams. Um, usually going off so it's um it's just like probably the most atmospheric powerlifting company in australia and obviously you get the big international lifters the best of the best train there so and it's untested as well which is like i don't know like really exciting because obviously the numbers are pretty much limitless so yeah that's one of the things like i saw recently um with the discussion in the last episode about the bench press arch being possibly regulated have you seen like candido and sean talk about that i've heard about it but i haven't actually watched any of the discussions so part of the argument was like making powerlifting bigger and one of the things they were talking about was well that maybe they didn't talk about it but one of the things that came to my head was um certainly the untested feds like it's it's more impressive to see some huge dude pulling like 400 kilos you know and I think, yeah. I think there needs to be a bit more leeway or maybe even some more federations having an untested side because like I, I wouldn't mind seeing some untested guys pulling a stiff bar. 
Yeah, yeah, I exactly. Because like usually, mm. yeah, like usually, like the untested federations, they they're never pulling on a stiff bar. You know, they're just trying to maximise the most weight lifted possible, mm. like knee wraps. You know, stuff like yeah. that. That's the thing. Like, and and a lot of people, the whole idea is getting normal people, normal gym guys into powerlifting. I think one commercial gym goes don't really have access to a deadlift bar, and it is certainly they see the bar and they think, oh, it's bending. Like that must be easier. They don't really have a concept of how hard it is if you haven't used it. I think, yeah. say like the APU, which is our main fed, had an untested side, maybe more people would sort of relate to, oh, that bar is the same one that I use at my gym that doesn't bend. I don't know. But I think... Yeah. I think a lot of people don't even really like know that there are different bars, you know, like obviously... Yeah you don't really know because like sometimes I walk out to the commercial section of our gym and somebody's squatting on a deadlift bar or benching on a deadlift bar like it's set up in the rack and they have no clue but you'd think that the fact that it's like a foot longer and it whips like crazy would be an yeah. indication that it's different and maybe you shouldn't be using it for that but and I guess they've got no idea it's thinner as well yeah <laughs> chalk in different weird places that they haven't seen before <laughs> yeah there's no center and early either like it's just yeah. weird to be squatting with a bar with no center and early yeah well, you, you use the squat bar. Hey, how do you manage your... Uh, do you get like elbow and wrist pain f- from the bench to squat aspect? Or Yes. <laughs> so, I get it so bad. And usually it comes about four to five weeks out from comp, which I am now about six weeks out from comp now. So pretty much every time that I end up squatting over 300 is where my elbow, uh, elbow soreness really comes into play. So yeah. I can only bench once a week because of it. So I bench Sunday... Uh, and then squat heavy on the Monday because obviously a heavy bench uh, with fresh elbows and stuff isn't going to affect a heavy squat, but a heavy squat absolutely derails my bench. Mm. So I just can't make good progress um, benching twice a week. I can't even push press or dumbbell press on the second day. Like usually I do my second press day or accessory day on the Wednesday, which is two days after squats. And usually my elbows are still ruined. Mm. So I think it's mainly a mobility issue and I've been working hard. Like we've been doing recovery sessions like two, three times a week Um just to get some blood flow, do mobility stuff that is specific to me, obviously. But as I put on more body weight and go up a weight class, it's only going to get more and more extreme. So mm. especially with the squat bar, because it's thicker and it's got no give. Um, it's just even more stressful through the elbow because I can't brutal. really wrap my wrists around and stuff. So, yeah, but put- you know, you sacrifice that for the whip and stuff. So it's obviously better to squat heavy on. Mm. Yeah. I've, I, um, cause I'm in the APL, I, my first comp in the APL was on that bar, obviously, and training on like a regulation IPF bar and then going, did my heavy single on the squat bar, first time using it. Like, it's brutal. I still, yeah, I still hit a yeah. PR, but just the wrist position, it's sort of like, it like ruined my back bracing. Like, I would breathe into my upper back and stuff. And then as soon as I got under the squat bar, it sort of changed the whole aspect of that. And same with my wrists, like they're pushed further back. It's just pain. It's just pain. That's all it is. Yeah, it is very, it's very painful. Um, it just like changes your setup completely because obviously it's thicker. It takes up more space in your back. So I feel like I have to get it lower because um, otherwise it'll roll, it rolls easy because it's so thick, obviously. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess it's just like just like wraps. You know, if you train with it, you'd be good at it. If you don't train with it, you'd be, you know, pretty shit with it, so... Unfortunately, it's not something that I'm going to consider adding to the home gym at the cost of a squat bar. Um, yeah, it's expensive. I'm pretty sure the Goliath one is like $600 plus shipping. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, plus shipping. Top, Shipping's where it really gets you. Um, it's an extra $120. Oh. Uh, and on top of the deadlift bar, 
the safety bar and the IPF bar. It's um, yeah, it's getting a bit too. Much. Yeah, don't really need it. I guess like it'd be nice, but mm. not necessary. Well, I can go and train at zero, which is only like half an hour away. But um, yeah, it's just I'd love to have it, but I don't think it's I don't think yeah. it's an option as of now. Um, but yeah. other than like not benching regularly, um, do you have something that you do to deal with that pain, like recovery wise, or is it just sort of just don't aggravate it sort of thing? It's kind of a bit of both. So obviously there's like upper upper um, back mobility, thoracic mobility, like even like pec tightness and stuff all factor into it. But it's pretty much just do stuff that makes it feel better, um, increase mobility because my mobility just is like so bad. Mm. Um, it's just like a full on board. It doesn't matter what I'm doing, uh, especially as I gain weight. But yeah, the recovery sessions play in, trying not to aggravate it's pretty much the secret. Um, but it's pretty hard towards the end of meat prep because obviously you're pushing the squat so hard and so heavy that um it's just like almost inevitable for me to experience it now yeah is there is there a certain way you have to bench to account for that or is it just like um it's kind of bench, i know you bench heels up and i, and I yeah. can i can too in my fed but i choose not to uh, yeah does that sort of change the way you bench it's um it doesn't really change my setup at all just like when my elbows are a bit aggravated i have to just lower it a bit slower than usual um be a bit less explosive off the chest especially my warm-ups um but other than that not really some days it's good some days it's bad it's kind of hard to gauge how you, it's gonna be do you do the soft touch or the hard touch on bench because i know when i do the soft touch it's like it's um more pressure on your on, at least for me at the top percentages it's more pressure on your joints yep. because you're resisting that um transfer attention into your chest like is that how you do it or uh as in like the the way i pause like if yeah, it's stopped yeah. or like kind of sink it kind of thing yeah yeah um it's kind of i'm really trying to do the soft pause so that i could just reinforce the, the upper back tightness and stuff because i feel like that's obviously going to be the best way to bench instead of like the sink and heave um but i pretty much soft touch it yeah so it's not too bad i just try and control it as much as i can to take the pressure off um, know, the sudden jerk i know a lot of big lifters they tend to um uh do the, the they sink it a bit like yeah uh, and i it's it sort of I, i've tried it and it knocks me out of position straight away i'll lose my arch but I yes think, so mate. Um, i think like the more weight you put on like because i'm heavier than you i'm 110 uh, and i know that the bigger guys they sort of sacrifice that because they don't have much of an arch these big like, huge yeah guys. Nah. It's, it's more exactly. of like a sink it into the chest sort of thing yeah, yeah, yeah. A few of our big guys um sink into the chest, hard chest, and it works for them obviously. So as you said, like they're just bigger. So it's just a style. I guess it's just the style of lifting. Like you, you don't really see many IPF competitors sink in the bar like that. Um, no. The only one that comes no. to mind is Isaac Whistler. He sinks it. He does yep. it with a soft touch. But yeah. Um, what about your frequency? Are you because obviously you have to manage that that uh, pain. Are you? um squatting more than once a week or, or what is um usually um especially like in meat prep i'm squatting once a week um and then deadlifting so i squat monday um and i do an accessory bench day on wednesday usually i cut out the second like an actual bench movement uh, about 10 weeks out usually that's when the elbow started to get a bit too aggravated um and then deadlift thursday and usually do some kind of squat variation which is like We've been um, smashing front squats lately, so it's usually front squats, um, stuff like that. Front squats don't aggravate the elbow, obviously, so because I can't get into a front rack position anyway. So yeah, neither can I. But, yeah. I couldn't. I can't do a 
front squat just because of my wrists and elbows. Yeah. I, I can't even get it. Last time I tried, I couldn't even get into a front squat. Yeah, yeah. So you don't, if you tried like crossing your arms, that's how I do it. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. To... Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the front rack's terrible. Yeah. I just, um, my, my my coach and I like the the safety bar as a, yep. but I suppose different things, obviously you're trying to, well, I, th- I find them relatively similar front squat and safety bar, but I know they do have their differences. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um we've been smashing front squats for the good part of like most of our off season and then still pushing it heavy mm. in our meat prep. Um, and I feel like it's really helped with my like upper back position in the deadlift, especially. I feel like it's transferred more to the deadlift in actual squat. And um, are you what using it just to hammer quads? Cause I know the wraps take out a little bit of. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's just to build the quads, another kind of squat frequency kind of thing, get that movement pattern down and just like a general accessory. It's mainly like I feel for the upper back tightness um, and like the bracing and stuff. So mm, yeah. just a positioning kind of thing. Yeah, um, that's interesting. I, um, I'm i on the same sort of frequency as you. Like obviously I'm not lifting as heavy and it doesn't, your, sound, your recovery sounds a bit more brutal than mine, but uh, I can only handle like, one heavy squat and then maybe maybe an accessory on the on the end of the week uh, otherwise yeah. i just it just tanks it just gets progressively worse and worse as the the weeks go on like i don't know if you're the same but if i'm if we tried to push twice a week i would just by week four or five i'd be going downhill essentially yeah it's exactly the same with me i just can't can't handle it so mm. it's it's funny when you like I, I coach a few guys you notice the difference between yourself and everyone else like um, cause I know a few guys who are like us and they can't handle much volume, um, throughout the week, but then you get some other lifters who can just hammer like 10 sets of SPD throughout the week. And they're like, fine. I have a guy who's like, no, nah, I'm never sore from bench and he benches like three times a week and whatever. And it's just, um, I get a bit jealous. I wish I could hit more frequency. Yeah. Um, yeah so do I, but I guess like everyone's different. So yeah. Um, Obviously, um, in your federation, untested, there's the option for steroids, obviously. Uh, I was yeah, wondering uh, if you had been accused of it, because I know you told me right now that you're natural. Um, yeah. If you've been accused of it, and then also if or when you plan on uh, going that extra step to sort of get to big dogs in that. Yeah, so um, I feel like... Like I've been accused of it for sure. Uh, as it's um, as you get strong, you know, people are always accusing you, even if you're just slightly bigger. Mm. But I don't know. It's always like, um, especially competing in untested federation. Like, there's really nothing wrong with doing it. So it's pretty much on the agenda to get to pro raw uh, and stuff like that. So because obviously to compete against the best, you have to do what the best are doing. So yeah, it's pretty mm. much the plan for the future. And you'd be upper weight class, hey, with that. You'd have to move yeah. up or yeah. So yeah, yeah. Up. I'm planning on moving up um, for my competition in September, which is going to be my next one after this one on March 7th. So that's going to be a lot of eating, uh, a lot of training, a lot of recovery. So yeah. Yeah. What is your, um, obviously moving up a weight class is uh, a bit of a step for some people, especially with like, uh, I find with myself, the heavier I get, the sort of more concerned I get about how I look. Are you sort of, just like, oh, I don't care as long as I'm getting stronger or is there a certain way that you go about putting on weight? Yeah, so I like to do it slowly, obviously, because like putting on a bunch of weight straight away, like obviously you're not going to look good, uh, which 
I don't really mind because I'm in the strength sport, so performance is obviously number one. But no one wants to look sloppy. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just slow nutrition. Like the next competition will be like six or seven months away. So um, and I'm already a little bit over 100, so I'm going to cut into this comp. So about 104 morning weight. So to go to the 110s, it's not really that much gain over six months. Like it's still pretty. Um, like quite a bit, but I don't have to be 110. So technically I'm probably sitting in the weight class I want to be in anyway. I just, just a matter of filling it out mm. from here on out. Oh, I keep thinking you're a 93, you're under a hundred. That's right. So you under a hundred. Yeah. You just cut down to 99 for the March seven one. Hey, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and your macros, you tracking that with some something or you just sort of, eat Oh yeah. So I've got a meal plan from my coach. So it's pretty much just, um, you know, like performance-based nutrition. So um, like roughly eating like 5,300 calories a day, um, spread across five meals. So, um, but the macros itself don't really go into, um, it says it on the sheet, but I just hit the meals that are prescribed. So the only day that I'll change is day before or two days before like a heavy squat. Um, I'll have a really high day, like which is today. Because uh, tomorrow I've got got a heavy single and uh, heavy back down, so I'm just fueling up as much as I can today. Um, just hit my normal five meals that I normally would, which is five thousand plus, and then um, you know hit up a bit of dirty macas on the way home from work tonight. <laughs> That's it. You're, secret, not, um, you're not you're not gaining weight on fifty three hundred calories. I am, I am. Oh. So I'm slightly putting on weight, but um, we'll just do like a I'm bringing it down towards leading into comp, but just water cut in so yeah yeah i um i'm not planning on so i'm 109 morning weight and i because it's i'm in the apl when you sign up to a meet you don't have to select a category you just um weigh in on the day like i'm signed up, i'm signed up for the meet and i didn't have to specify so if you were example if you were an 83 you'd turn up as 82 point whatever and that's what you'd be in but i don't have to like if i'm still 110 the day, a couple of days before comp, I'll drop the macros a bit. But like, yeah, if I turn up at 112, then I'm in the 125s, you know? Yeah. I think that's a good thing for us at least because um, uh, it certainly takes a bit of stress away. It's like, I'll oh, just compete. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm planning to move up because I'm 6'3", so I'm planning to move up to the 125s eventually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It just takes so much time to kind of build into oh, a weight man. class. I'm just trying to fill up my frame. Like I have, um, I've had a really hard time building my lower body just because I'm ten, I'm very hip dominant in the squat. Um, yeah. With the poor ankle, ankle mobility, I find it hard to use my quads in the squat. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of my, I've got a huge ass now, which is great, but. Well, that's, what, that's what you want. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it's a sensitive thing moving up a, a weight category. Like I'm, I'm sort of iffy about it because. I know I'll get, I'll, I'll go up five kilos and then I'll be like, oh, I miss when I used to do like bodybuilding. I'll see like a photo of myself when I had the abs and whatever. And I miss Yeah, it. yeah. It's always a hard one moving up a weight class too because it's going to be, you know, a few meets, even like over a couple of years where you kind of hover and in between where you're not really a 110s or you're not really a 125s, you're kind of stuck in between. And you just got to kind of grudge through that. Mm. I think like, that's what I've been doing. Um, I think I was almost limited myself when I first started because I, I cut into the A2s uh, like multiple times when I should have just kept building and not worried about the weight, mm. which is what I'm trying to do now. But because I'm on the cusp of um, like breaking some records in the hundreds, I might as well mm. do it while I still can. Yeah, so. that's the thing. Like, I'm I'm well off breaking any records. Like in the APL, there's some tested records that I can break, but um, based on like 
you're fed, for example, even though some of it is untested. Like, I'm not competitive. I'm not going to win a meet. So I'll just compete at whatever I feel like. I'm going to just, yeah. like, just as long as it makes me happy, eventually when yeah. I'm stronger and been in the sport longer, then I'll worry about cutting and whatever. But I think, like, yeah. too many lifters are focused on, oh, I need to cut so that I'll, like, they'll cut seven kilos and come, like, 13th. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Well, you, should exactly. Just, you should just stay to what you were, had the extra 20 kilos on your total and just had fun. Like, I think. Yeah, like, exactly. A lot of new people would like get caught up in the game of cutting weight when they really don't have to because they're not going to place or mm. break any, you know, break anything. Just have fun, as you said. So, yeah, because it's like glory, you know, like you see all the top guys doing it. They're all like, they'll show a few days out. They're like in the sauna or whatever. And it's like, it's, yeah, it's cool for them, but you've got to remember that you're not them. You're, yeah, you're at the local meet. I mean, if it makes it happen, yeah. you're whatever. Yeah, exactly. I guess you can go tell your friends saying you're doing a hardcore water cut and stuff, but. Mm. Mm. So you're, so for this year, you want to be in, you said pro raw, right? Yes. If it goes ahead, I'm not too sure about Surely what's going to happen. Oh, but it's down in Sydney, hey? Oh, but you're in Tasmania. It's in Melbourne. So I reckon Um, usually it happens at the Arnold, which is like March. And oh, we haven't heard anything about it yet. And Prep would obviously have to start for that. And I'm doing it. I'm committed to a comp March 7th, which is actually at my gym. So that's why I'm doing it, because it's at my gym. Um, but I reckon we're thinking that it's going to be moved to the end of the year with Big Dogs and Warriors, uh, which is obviously run by the same people as Pro Raw. So... And you're going to move up a weight class for that one. What would your, yeah. so what's your total now and what would you be planning on hitting? Because obviously the extra 10 kilos adds quite a bit on the total. Yeah. So my total right now is 790. At this comp in March, I am hoping to add at least 10, 15 kilos to it, pretty much just based on the squat. So the current all-time world record under 117 to 19 kilo on open powerlifting the squat world record is 332.5 so i am planning on breaking that this comp so i'm going to hope for 335 um 333 at least obviously just break it by a little biscuit of a weight and then um 335 340 so that'll add 10 kilos if i get 335 that's 10 kilos on top of my total that's 800 pretty much the end goal try and bench maybe five kilos more try and deadlift pretty much the same um so then that'll increase my uh, australian all-time uh, record and then it's time to move up to the 110s i'm really not sure how the extra body weight is going to affect me because i feel like obviously it's going to add strength as body weight does but i feel like it's yeah it's going to change my leverages and i'm going to get even more immobile than i am now so i'm going to have to account for that but probably hoping for 850 total um in the 110s at, yeah in the 110s so that would be an extra you know six kilo gain roughly so you're you're saying you want your second squat to be three thirty three and then go up from there if you can, or are you gonna leave it to the third attempt? So yeah, the plan is to break the all time world record on the second and then see where we're sitting. Um or if I fail it, then just reattempt it again. Um but I reckon I'm probably right around there. So the numbers in the program um uh, should all project me to to lift that. So mm. and so I squatted three twenty five at my last comp and like it was pretty smooth. Uh, I maybe I was going to attempt it as a fourth attempt because we can go for a fourth attempt at WRPF for a record. Uh, it doesn't count towards the total though. Mm. Um, so I was going to attempt it, but they're only going to give me three minutes, which is definitely not enough time um, no, for such a big weight. So and I was focusing on an 800 kilo total. So I knew if I attempted that 333, even if I got it, I wouldn't hit my deadlift. Um, 
And it turns out that my 300 kilo deadlift was like sucked the absolute soul out of me. So there was no way that I was going to um, even deadlift that. And that would have dropped 20 kilos of my total just for that, for a, for a world record that I may not have even got. So. so obviously you have a huge total, but your thing is the squat, right? So yep. during, you, like you said, during the week, Monday squats come deads. Are you like, you know, and just yeah, usually or... quite ruined. Yeah. So um, especially like last week I had a, a pretty gnarly five by five, which is like, I'm still recovering from, I feel. Um, so I did five by five last week at 270. Mm. Um, and the first set, obviously, you know, it's a breeze, but then it just gets harder and harder and harder. Mm. Um, but that's probably my highest volume set for the rest of prep. Uh, but usually my deadlifts do suffer quite a bit um, from the big squats because I just feel like the whole week just dictates the squats. So that's where we're going to try and look look into a different sort of programming style leading into my next comp in September and Pro Raw to, to kind of like alternate heavy weeks. Mm. So what does your programming look like? Are you on like regular singles for that skill acquisition or are you sort of more uh, build with volume and then sort of quickly drop off into a single right before comp? Yeah, so um, the, the kind of strategy usually changes, um, but this, this, um, this program, uh, because it was kind of, it was a pretty short meat prep, especially back-to-back comps for me. Um, so like, we had to jump from high volume pretty much straight to heavier weights. So we had to get accustomed to the skill and the heavier weights. So heavy singles are pretty much fortnightly uh, followed by a couple of volume back down sets. And then it's alternated by like straight volume sets and the weeks between. Yeah. So every second week is a single and in between you have like a five by five, like you said. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So um, that's for the squats anyway. So the squats like last week was a, a top single at, um, or two weeks ago was a top single at 300. Um, and then four by six at 260. And then last week was a five by five this week. Tomorrow is a 310 single and then three by four at 280. And then the week after um, three by three. Then the week after is a two by two. And then I've got two weeks deload leading to the comp. So yeah, that's the, okay. That that's, um, something I'd like to experiment with my coach and I in the first meet we did with him when I was under my coach it was the sort of volume 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 uh, triples doubles maybe one like easy single about a week yep. before and then it was comp and I sort of just wasn't quite as used to the singles as I would have liked to have been so with yeah. this with this meet um, I'm March 14 the, we've got like a comp at zero uh, weaknesses up the road and I, and I said, like, especially with bench, I want those heavy singles because I find with bench, I will struggle the higher per- the percentage gets, the more that I yeah. struggle with techniques. Whereas, like, with a deadlift, I can sort of grind it out. And it's like, because you're not under the bar in a deadlift, you know? Um, yeah, in a bench, yeah, 100%. If you're underneath it, you can't really re- regather a misread. Yeah, I feel the exact same about bench. I really feel like I need to kind of practice the skill of a heavy single because obviously there's skill involved um and that's probably something that um like i need to do a bit more leading into comps is heavy singles on bench um we've been doing it last couple comps but this comp doesn't seem like it's really happening happening it's just kind of a linear progression you know like a five by five four by four three by three kind of thing so Mm. i think that's something i see more maybe with bigger lifters or lifters in this federation that you're in because i know like with IPF lifters, it's it seems to be 
I don't want to say a lot more thought because that's not true, but it seems to be not uh, maybe overcomplicated and very technical. With um, it's 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 definitely not linear. I, I would say with a lot of lifters that I see, like even lifters that I just follow, and I can just tell by what they post every week, it's never linear. It'll always be like a here and there sort of thing. Whereas you just like what you just described was perfectly linear. And that yeah, works. I feel like yeah, I feel like there's a difference between RPE and percentage. I feel like percentage is always fairly linear. Obviously, uh, when RPE, you know, you could be feeling different. Um, and I don't know, I've never experimented with RPE, so I'm not too sure how that. Like, not with the main list anyway, so I'm not too sure how that kind of programming happens. You know, like week to week. Mm. Well, I'll let you know because the one, like I was saying, I requested with my coach heavy, well, not heavy, but singles with. Uh, at least with deads and bench and squats, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it's, um, if you're going to be doing singles like that, RP is important because especially with bigger guys, the it's never going to be a linear. You're never going to feel progressive with linear. Like you might be going up in weight, but your RPs might be going up more than they should and your body's going down more than it should, I feel like, yeah, it's important to be like dialed in with that. I've never experimented yeah. with percentages in that way. Um, yeah. My, co- my coach should have just writes it in and I just, you know, follow it. But yeah, I never yeah. really did many percentage backdowns or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I really enjoy um, percentage training. I mean, I can't really say, like I don't really have an opinion because I've never really done RPE, mm. but I just enjoy like having a number written down and knowing that I've got to do that to progress. Like, obviously, it's reserved. Like, it's not, you know, you're not pushing it. Like, it's still a, a, a strategy to percentage training, you know what I mean? So, because mm. obviously, like, my heavy single on the squats at 310 is a certain percentage of my current one at max, which is, like, 15 kilos under. So, mm. I don't know what the RPA would work out to be at that stage, but, like, yeah. Well, if your max is 325, did you say? Yeah. 310 is what, like? eight and a half that's that's what i'm thinking like eight eight and a half so we'll, i guess we'll find out how it feels tomorrow yeah. but yeah but is yeah. that when when you give your coach feedback every week are you putting rpes in or was he like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so i pretty much just give him feedback on how it feels and in the in the program i write rpe or that's pretty much like the best way to describe how it felt obviously yeah. so yeah I, I it's i think it's a great if you're not if your coach isn't pro- programming you on rpes at least give him feedback on RPEs. Like that's yeah, a, yeah. That's yeah, I feel like RPEs always in training, like regardless if you're actually specifying this RPE, obviously, because obviously if somebody, if your coach asks how to feel, you know, you'd be like, oh, maybe we could have done two more reps. You know, it's pretty much saying RPE 8 without saying RPE 8, so. And how are you progressing? Like one, once a week bench, I, I bench three times a week and I'm rarely sore the following week. How are you progressing off once a week? Um, it's just like just linear progression basically and then back downs. Um, I feel like we just pretty much hammer like a bit of volume um, in that one session. It's just so like hard because ideally we'd want to be benching twice a week. Um, but, you know, I guess like the body limitations and stuff. But it seems to work so far. Obviously, we might need to change it moving forward. But it seems to work for me and um, most of our other lifters. So, uh, And at some point you have to choose really what you want. I mean, yeah. not many... 300 plus squatters are going to be having a huge bench without some sort of setbacks or injuries, you know, and if you're going to push two times a week, you might tear a pec. 
you might yeah. whatever because when your elbow starts underperforming then everything else down the line is going to try to um, compensate for it yeah exactly and I suppose six days after your heavy squat you said it was on a Sunday yep yep yeah so six days after your heavy squat is probably the best you're going to feel all week for it yeah 100% yeah. like even the Saturday is probably still pushing a little bit because I benched earlier today and like my elbows weren't bad but they were still I could still feel them and I still feel like I had to change the mm. bar speed mm. what did you bench today? I uh, did a five by five at 135 and then a set of three at RP9 in a slingshot. Okay. Um, you'd be the first sling sh- person to use a slingshot that I've spoken to. Um, do, you, do you enjoy that or? I do, I do. It's a bit of fun because obviously you're handling heavier weight, but I feel like you can very quickly get too excited about the weight on the bar yeah. because obviously it's an overload tool and that's what it only should be used for. You shouldn't be like telling people what you're slingshotting because it doesn't really matter per se um but yeah it's it's good like i enjoy it as an overload but you could easily be doing like you know like heavy negatives or anything like that mm. um or not even doing any overload it's just a form you know of training so it's like the it's like doing a heavy workout with squats like yeah yeah pretty people, much exactly some people maybe do it like i don't know if you know jeff nippard he's a one of the youtube yeah. i watch i know he has because he like is very scientific when he's sort of trains for research he's not really training for himself he's training for like his job and stuff you know um yeah one of the things i saw him do was a heavy walkout the day before a one rep max so he would just like walk out with one plate two three four five whatever and then didn't squat it and then the next day like squatted it and just helped him walk out with it on his back i don't know yeah i feel like that would fatigue him but yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, I don't know. It's just like the the. I think if I was to use a slingshot, I would my ego would sort of get in the way. Yeah, that's something I'm really trying hard not to um, kind of fall victim to is the ego with a slingshot. But it feels good because at least like with a slingshot as opposed to like a walkout, you're still kind of going through similar technique and you're bringing it all the way to the chest mm. um, and kind of overloading the lockout per se. Um, it's still very easy because like I, I slingshotted 175 today for set of three at probably not even RPE nine. It's probably RPE eight. So, and what's your max? 165. You said 165. Yeah, is my best. So you're trying to bench 170 on the um. At- yeah. So 170, 175, 170 is the goal. But if 175 is there, you know, I'll take it. Mm. Yeah, I um. Well, I'm March 14, and the the record for 18 year olds in on open powerlifting. I think it was 172.5. Yeah. But this is the tested and untested because um, open is just everyone. Um, yeah. I, th- I have to double check. But yeah, I think if I bench 173, I'll be the either number one or like top three, 18 and under benches. Yeah. Yeah, that would be... That's, that in, be... that's in 110 or is that just like regardless? That's just regardless. So yeah, regardless of weight and regardless of steroids or not obviously yeah obviously anyone competing untested on the like oh actually no well one thing i did think was if they're untested i'll filter them out but you're untested hey and you're natural yeah 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 because yeah. i just assume if you're going to compete untested you would be taken yeah but, yeah okay. it oh, just I seems think- that way but it's just um it's like hard to filter obviously because mm-hmm. like you never know who's on who's not so so you're you might be on that list for me to beat a week before. maybe <laughs> 
Well, um, I think, but I don't know. I think you're you're a better bencher than me. Like, what's your best? You you bench one seventy, haven't you? I failed one seventy on a horrible bench day and ended up yeah. hitting ended up hitting one sixty for a double after. So, I don't know how I failed one seventy if I'm going to back down for one sixty for a double. Yeah. Um, straight after a failed attempt. Yeah, it was just a terrible day. I um, I, I pulled two forty the day before and with me because of my arch if i'm and because i have a lot of thoracic rounding in the deadlift that rounding and the soreness i don't you probably get it too because i know your upper back rounds um I yeah get heaps of soreness the next day and so yeah. i tried to pr the next day arch was off the especially upper back tightness because when you're sore it's hard to get tight yeah 100 percent. Um, yeah i just yeah. lost it but yeah I think, day after heavy deads is like pretty like pretty rough to be going for a kind of um like a bench pr yeah it was it was a testing week and it was like a volume block so yeah i i, I was supposed to be testing yeah so i was testing triples so i pulled a 220 triple and then i was like then the temptation was there i was like hmm. yeah i messaged my coach can i go for a one rep max he's like yeah whatever like you're just going to be fatigued for dead so i was like sweet because this is mo- like months ago and then yeah hit the 240 with maybe 10 kilos in the tank. So I think I'll pull 260 at this meet. I'd like to pull 260. Um, but then, yeah, that's when I failed that bench. I was like, okay, I want more singles during prep because I should have smashed 170. It should have been there. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, I'd like to hit 170 in prep um, and then take the record for my second attempt. Yeah. So yeah. if one if 170 moves at like eight, 8.5 in prep I would like hopefully um, and then I take 173 as my second that would be the goal unless you yep. go and bench 175 then maybe I'll do that <laughs> because if you yeah I need to be I want to be like you said I want to be attempting for your squat I want to be attempting the record on my second attempt so if I fail it yep. I have one more go yes yeah, it's, it's like a nice secure spot so yeah, yeah. but you said that was the bench record for 18 yeah oh yeah you're 19 yeah so I'm 19 so well you'll still be on the list and I'd like to be above you for something <laughs> if nothing else is going to be above you um, on that list but maybe bench that would be that would be nice yeah you've got me on the bench you've got me on the bench mate I would sacrifice numbers off my bench for your squat and deadlift believe you reckon me. oh believe you see, me. I almost I'd almost like rather a big bench because everybody's like oh how much you bench bro Not no one cares about how much you squat unless no, they see you do it obviously but nobody in nobody nobody in powerlifting cares how much you bench but yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> nobody, nobody in the rest of the world cares how much you do anything except bench. Yeah, I've yeah, never true. like my mates. I'll go see some of my mates that I haven't seen in a while. They're like, "How much you benching now?" They don't care about anything else. Yeah, that's exactly the same with mine because as well. Because it's the only thing that they're doing at the gym when they yeah. go to do their bro split. It's the only thing that they're training. It's bench. Yeah, true, and they yeah. can't really comprehend like a heavy squat or a heavy deadlift yeah. because obviously they don't do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I uh, I offer them coaching, but they don't want coaching. I just say I'll write, I'll write you some. I'll write you a six week program, real cheap. No, no, I want to do my own thing. Yeah, they go in and smash arms four times a week, bit of chest. Yeah, exactly right. Oh, we've all been there. The way to do it. Yeah, it's yeah. the way to do it. <laughs> um, are you coaching anyone? Uh, I'm coaching a few mates at the moment, but um, pretty much just like trying to focus on on myself as an athlete at the moment. Yeah. Give a bit more experience, you know, and you know, obviously pour as much into. Um, my lifting as I can right now so you're not studying hey uh not really no no okay, no are you planning on going to the uni or because you you finished in school in 2019 
yeah, 2019, I finished year 12. So um, I don't know, like I've always kind of, I wanted to go to uni to be a physio because obviously it's going to help my training amazingly. And obviously um, I love this like sport and stuff. So it'd be nice to be a physio, be around that. But I just, I just cannot, at the moment anyway, I just cannot like bear to go to school for any, any longer. Mm. So like I was like over it in year 10. So mm. let alone two more years in college. Yeah, I had the um, I had the six month like I deferred for six months. I had the gap year and just trained essentially. I was loving it, yeah. just training, yeah, go to Coles, work, whatever. Um, but yeah, now I'm in exercise physiology, and the first year of it is completely unrelated to anything that you would ever use in the gym. I haven't really? even yeah, I did chemistry, physics, and anatomy, and I'm almost finished oh. the first year. I'm in exercise physio. Um, yeah, it'd be the same first year for just physiotherapy. Um, and even next trimester, so year two, um, still physics, advanced anatomy, and like maybe health. So they're not specific things that you may use. I think the only benefit you really get out of it, because um, I'm doing it for the same reason that you just said, is I want to use it for myself and training, and I also yeah. want to work in the sport. Um, but yeah, placement you get like 500 hours placement in third year and that's probably Jesus. the first time. Yeah. Cause until then, like I've had a look, it's health and nutrition and the only, so f- fourth year is when you've done your placement, it's like programming, nutrition, uh, programming for injuries, like very specific stuff. So I've got quite a long way to go before I really start. I'm going to guess really start enjoying it. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I guess you got to drive through it. So oh, yeah. like, that's, that's what I really didn't want to do, just years and years of more school. Um, yeah. Like obviously, you know, you, you got to do it. Um, mm. And maybe I'll look at it in the future. But mm. So do you want to coach more in the future? Like you said, right now you're focusing on yourself. Do you plan on coaching more in the future or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's pretty much, um, like I've, I can already work as a coach mm. um, under my, under Competitive Edge. So under my um sponsor and that. So I've got a job pretty much lined up. I'm a group fitness instructor at the moment. That's one of my jobs. So I've got my Cert 3 and Cert 4 in fitness. So I could really start, um, you know, now if I wanted to, but you know, I'll just look at that doing in the future, building a bit more experience. And when the time's right, I'll jump on the opportunity. Mm. Yeah, I just landed a role with like an old world gym. And yeah. they're like, we're like, we'll give you a cert three and four. You can do it with us. Um, do you remember how quickly you did it or did you do it at school? I did my cert three at um, college. So that, that was awesome. That was so easy. Um, mm. And like obviously to do it at college, it was fun as well because something I enjoyed. Um, so that was the whole year thing. Cause obviously that was pretty much, mm. um, only a couple, like four hours a week or whatever when the cert four I did online. Um, and that took about six to eight months. So, and I could have done it quicker, but it just works out to be pretty much the same amount of time per week. How quickly do you think you could do it? Like, cause I'm asking for myself cause I want to start in this PT role, obviously. To, yeah. And I want to do the courses as well to make me a better coach. But yeah. how quickly do you think you could do both of them? If you were just at your own uh, pace, you just banged it out like... Oh, it Cert 3 day. and Cert 4. Say I try to do it every day. Yeah, both of them. Every day. Oh, for sure. If you smash like, like two to four hours every day, you'd probably get through both of them in... I'll probably say like a, a year and a half max, maybe even a year if you're like super speedy and just like keeping your entire time to it. Because okay. like, there's work placement involved as well. So obviously mm-hmm. that's a separate amount of time. Um, but the actual work itself... 
is like pretty simple in nature and it's pretty much all written down in the book as all certificates are mm. um and it's just like a matter of filling them out as quick as you can really mm. okay yeah i um i don't want to say anything before i've done them but i've heard it's sort of more like a get in get out sort of situation where it's you sort of learn or you're stuck in placement or under a pt and not necessarily yeah 100 percent yeah, I really don't think that, um, especially as a PT, most of your your experiences comes through like hands on, because mm-hmm. um, the manual, you know, like obviously there's a booklet, obviously that tells you stuff, but you can't really apply it without actually being there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think I was told fifty two hours placement for both. Does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was thirty for Cert three through college, um, mm-hmm. and it was pretty much like fifty hours through the Cert four as well. Okay, yeah. So, Sweet. I guess it'll depend. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, um, you're almost off for work. Hey, uh, before we wrap it up, your goals and stuff for the future. We spoke about this year, um, but all, obviously, with the records that you have and obviously your potential, what do you want to do in the next few years? And then, is there like an end goal for you? Um, so the ultimate goal would be to total a thousand kilos um, at whatever weight class I have to, to be to do it. Uh, squat 400, but deadlift just close to 400 as I can and like bench 220, that'd be like ultimate goals. And it could be like, you know, obviously like a year ago, I thought 140 bench was impossible. Um, mm-hmm. Like even six months ago, I thought, you know, 140 is like really hard. And, you know, now I'm knocking on the door of like 180 in the next year or so kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously goals become, um, you know, like relevant Relative. to where you are. Yeah. But um, like in this year or year or two, before I turned 20, in the under hundreds, I want to get the biggest total in Australia um, for a team, which is currently eight forty ish or eight fifty, I think, by Connor Walsh. Who's like, oh. I think it was Connor Walsh. Yeah, um, that's like that's in the one tens. I think that's the biggest total on open powerlifting anyway in Australia. Um, so just try and get the biggest total, regardless of weight class, uh, for an Australian team. Um, and yeah, break the all-time world record squat at my next comp for the under hundreds. Um, and yeah, it's pretty much like get a pro raw warriors is probably the ultimate goal above pro raw, which is like all 115 kilo lifters who are internationally invited pretty much big dogs, but for a little bit smaller. Okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. so. Cause I know I follow Sebastian and I like have a look at his comps and stuff. So he's yep. in, he's in pro raw and then warriors. I've never even heard of that. That's one. Of yeah. Both. Yeah. So warriors haven't actually happened yet. So it was supposed to happen. 2020 but obviously because of everything that happened it didn't uh, it was pretty much like big dogs but you know for the like an in between the 110s and 125s class it's a 115 kilo limit mm. so yeah that's pretty much the ultimate goal because i feel like where i'll lift the best in the future will be 115 kilos kind of in between the 110s in between the 125s for my height anyway so how tall are you uh, 178 centimeters so six so that's I think it's five, five ten, five eleven. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. You see some so, of those bigger guys; they they get too big and then they lose positioning. Like, yeah, exactly. And that's where I'm really gonna have to be careful with going up in a weight class. Like, I'm talking like one, like one twenty max body weight in like twenty years. You know, fifteen years. You know, yeah, towards yeah. the end. I don't think I'll push it past that because I just don't think I have the genetics to hold that much mass. Yes, yeah, yeah, and being five eleven, it's there's a limit, obviously, on how big you need. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. All right. Well, man, thanks very much for coming. I'll let you go to work. I think we're just just under an hour now. Um, thanks heaps for coming on. And um, I hope everyone got something out of that. Uh, Australia's strongest teenager. 
Um, and obviously, we will maybe catch up with you after your meet. Um, and yep. maybe talk about how that went. Uh, but other than that, man, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. No, you're right, man. Have a good one and good luck on March 7th. I'll keep an eye out. Thank you. Good, good luck to your comp as well. Oh, thank you very much.